But that moment when Martin scored, that was the moment where you could just take a deep breath and say, right, we've done it now. You know, just looking back and seeing George's celebrations when that happened and you just knew that that was the moment that we would, we'd done it really. Hey guys, it's me, producer Ross, and welcome to episode three of series two of Ross Meets the Series, where I catch up with former town players to talk about their careers from the ups to the downs and everything in between. And I cannot wait to get into this episode today. I cannot wait to introduce this week's guest, and it's none other than former town skipper and all-round great gent, Matt Holland. And this was a very enjoyable chat with Matt about his time at Porton Road and his career as a whole. Of course, he spoke about Wembley 2000 and finishing fifth in the Premier League, mentioning different players during that great campaign and, of course, George Burley himself. Uh, it was great to hear from Matt about his early days of his career at Arsenal and West Ham and it was very interesting to hear that he had a lot of Ipswich Town links even in his early days. So was it always going to happen? He was going to join the club in 1997? Possibly. Uh, of course, he spoke about his spell at Bournemouth and his spell at Cholton as well. And of course, we had to speak about the World Cup in 2002 with Ireland, where we went on to score in the World Cup final. So that, that was just great chat. Uh, so let's get into the episode. I'm not going to ramble anymore as I normally do. Hope you enjoy as much as I enjoy chatting to Matt. Let's get into it. Let's go. How I sort of start this uh, podcast is from the very beginning, the beginning of Matt Holland, you know, from the, from your you know young younger days, you know, when you were a kid, you know. So did you always want to become a footballer when you were younger? Yeah, it was um, always my passion. My dad was a, like a, a decent enough footballer. He actually got offered terms with um, Barrow when then they, I think they were in the old third division. Um, but he'd been in the bank for a few years and um, had, a, had a, a safe and secure job. Uh, wife, I think I might have been on the way as well. So it was um, not 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 an awful lot of money in football in those days. And I think he was a bit more secure working in the bank and, and felt like it was a bit more, bit more long term. Um, but I used to go and watch him play on a on a Saturday afternoon um, from the well, as soon as I could walk, really, and kick a ball up and down the touchline. Um, first pair of boots that I got for Christmas, I, I think I slept in them for about a week. So, so football was always the ultimate passion, really. So, and that and that stemmed really from my dad, who 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 loved it as well. So, from there, did you feel like you wanted to? become a professional can you remember your first club I think you were uh, born and raised in Manchester at the beginning but well I was actually I was actually yeah I was born um Bury near Manchester um and actually went to school funnily enough with the, the, the Neville brothers they were um Gary's a year younger and Phil was a little bit younger again um and you were either a, a Man United or a Man City fan um I actually was he was a United fan growing up um, but I played I played from the age of seven probably in a, in a reasonable team and, and was selected for Berry boys while I was in um, in that area uh, but we moved south of course with my dad's job when I was about nine so um, straight away first thing we did look around find a club somewhere that we you know could, could play football um, and, and really within sort of six months of being down here. I think Southampton had picked me up and um, I was in their sort of centre of excellence from about the age of 10 or 11. So it was, um, yeah, I mean, Southampton would have been the first professional club that I was involved with. Yeah. Then I think your next move, of course, was Arsenal. Um, unfortunately, you were released there for being too small. Yeah, not, <laughs> not good enough. Not good enough. I always say that. I, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a nice way of 
upsetting a 13 year old isn't it or letting down a 13 year old by saying you're too small um but that you know it was a, a good learning curve really it's it's you know i think throughout life throughout you know growing up you you get knocks and bruises you get bumps and you get told you're not quite good enough and you get told you're not you're not quite what they're looking for and it's how you respond to that and i think you know you can either sort of be disappointed and say well that's not for me then or you you say do you know what i'll I'll show you um and that's you know that's what that's sort of my attitude to things so how did the sort of the West Ham move come about in terms of, you know, was it because I knew of you, scouts and stuff? Well, I've been playing for Essex. Um, so I've been playing county football and I've been um, captain of the county. Uh, but it actually, it was it was just playing Sunday football with, um, uh, I can't remember which club I was with even, but it was Frank Lampard Senior who, who was on the touchline and afterwards spoke to me. My dad said, you know, like to come down to West Ham. Um play a couple of games, see how it goes. And I, and I, I was, I was oh, 15, 16 or 15 coming up 16. And, and they threw me straight into the youth team, came on a sub a couple of times and played sort of two or three games for them in the youth team. And they asked me then to sign. So that was it really. And, and um, I was in the building and away we went. Yeah. Who was sort of in your age group at West Ham? Any, anybody notable names? Well, in my actual age group, there was Danny Williamson, who um, some might remember. He, he, I think he went to Everton from from West Ham. Um, I guess Darren Curry was in the year below. So obviously Ipswich fans would, would remember Darren. Um, and then going further down the ladder, there was obviously Frank Lampard Jr., Rio Ferdinand, Michael Carrick, Joe Cole, all that sort of group coming through. But they were sort of three or four years be, below me. Um, so the, yeah, there was the, oh Kevin Horlock was in the year above as well. So again, another another Ipswich name. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was a few Ipswich connections there, but the, but generally the sort of the bigger names were three or four years down the line, really. Of course, um, I think Billy Bonds was the manager when you first came in, and of course Harry came in. I think you had a, a nice little low move uh, to Farm uh, How did that for like low, low moves? You know, is that sort of something that helped you? You know, early yeah. days. Definitely. It's something that Harry was very keen on and he wanted his young players to go and experience a different side to life, really, because in the Premier League, you know, top clubs, you've got everything done for you. Your kit's washed, you know, training grounds, perfect food after training, all that, those sorts of things. You go down the pyramid and you go down the ladder. It's not quite the same. It's, you know, you're fending for yourself. You're washing your own kit. Um, you pack lunch for for after training, pack lunch for after matches on the bus home, no traveling the night before games. And so actually it was it was a really good learning curve. Um and and it's it's one of those things for for some young players. You know, if you if you don't put the work in, you don't put the effort in, this is the sort of standard that you're going to be playing at rather than, you know, back here where you know things are are a bit easier if you like. Um uh, yeah, Harry was keen on that. He sent all his young players. I mean Rio Ferdinand came to Bournemouth when I was there as well and Frank Lampard had been to Swansea. Um so he he wasn't afraid of getting the youngsters out and experiencing sort of I don't know, I guess how it might be a little bit tougher. Yeah. Of course, you know, back in the night as well, you know that you still had the tradition of cleaning boots. Um which player did you clean senior player? Well, funnily enough again, there's another Ipswich connection. It's um Slater. Stuart Slater. There you go. So Stuart Slater was, um, uh, I was his boot boy and uh, he gave me a very good Christmas tip one year. 
I, I did take pride over his boots. I did look after them pretty well. Um, but he did give me a he did give me a good Christmas tip. So yeah, he was the, he was the, the the main one really that I um, I looked after. And the other one was Paul Hilton, who I think did a bit of coaching in the academy at Ipswich, and um, he was uh, he, he was from. Berry as well, where I was from. So he was sort of the UT manager um, when I was coming through. So I had his his boots and I had Stuart Slater's. They were the two that, that really stand out for me. In terms of, you know, the first, you did, of course, didn't get an opportunity to play in the first team. Did Harry ever, um, did Harry ever tell you an opportunity would arise or anything like that? He was actually pretty good, really. I mean, I travelled with the first team squad for a whole season, virtually, on the bus. I was here, there and everywhere with them and basically T-boy on the back of the bus making making the food and the drinks for everyone. Um, but that was a good experience, of course, going along and being involved. In, and, and if you're in the squad, you were part of the win bonus as well. So you were urging the team on to, to win, especially when you're, you're sort of 18, 19 and... and um on what 35 pound a week yts it, so it's that was that was um, a good experience um and and i think you know he actually wanted me to stay when i when i left to go to bournemouth permanently well he offered me a contract to stay um but i i was at an age 20 where i needed to be playing first team football i wasn't happy playing I don't know, reserve football in front of 150 people where the result didn't matter. You know, it was, don't get me wrong, it's, a, it's a, you know, a privilege to play for a club like West Ham um, and privileged to play alongside some of the players that I did. But for me, I was at an age where I needed to be in the shop window, really, and, and playing first team football and where it meant something as well. You know, three points on a Saturday. Is it, uh, you know, are we going to get those three points that take us into the playoffs or, or out the relegation zone or wherever it might be? Um, and you know, even the crowds, okay, they weren't massive at Bournemouth, but they're still four, four, four and a half thousand. Um, and, and of course, you know, it started to mean something then. So I, I declined the offer, went to Bournemouth permanently. Ipswich, um, West Ham, sorry, had a had a sell on fee, um, which I think they'd negotiated prior to me signing for Ipswich. Um, so yeah, there was, you know, it was it was a time where I needed to be playing first team football then. Yeah, and of course, Bournemouth, they were back then. They were like in League One, which is now. Um, of course, did, did, that, did that loan sort of help you? Because of course, you went to Bournemouth on loan originally, and then time permanently, as you said, did that sort of help you decide to move there? And you know, that was probably the first time you're moving away from home as well as a young lad. You know, how was that? Yeah, I mean, probably you know, having been there previously and and felt quite comfortable there, and and I knew a few of the players there as well. Um, before I'd even gone there, I knew I knew um, Neil Young, who's the right back there, and and um, Steve Jones had been at West Ham as well, so I knew quite a few of the players anyway. And having been there for three or four months, it it was um, it was a bit of a no brainer for me to go there. I did have a few, you know, actually when the when the uh, I went on loan to Bournemouth, about three or four clubs came in, but but Harry being you know Harry and with his Bournemouth connections he pushed me in that direction uh, but no it was, Mel Machin was a really good manager as well you know someone I you know had a lot of time for and we we seemed to get on well um, and so that yeah it was a bit of a no-brainer really for me to go there permanently. Not a bad place to live either because you've got a nice you know the seafront in Bournemouth it, and stuff. It, it's a very nice place to live um, it, yeah like you say you've got the forest not far away you've got the beach uh, yeah it had a good nightlife as well <laughs> although you know try to stay away from that as much yeah. as I possibly could um but it's a, yeah it's a place where um I could perhaps see myself one day uh down down on the beach yeah. and um of course you became club captain while you're there I know you were captain for your youth teams at West Ham and other clubs um of course Eddie Howe was there as well you know as a young yeah. you know, young player and did you did you see something in Eddie in terms of you know I think I don't know how old he was then you were of course young as well did you 
Well, he was a bit he was a bit younger than me, and he made his debut actually in the same team. Mm. Um, what I think what I saw with him was a great attitude, a great attitude to the game. He was actually very quiet, um, and and maybe then I wouldn't have necessarily seen him being a Premier League manager. Uh, but he was uh, he was a good character and someone that you know you could rely on. You knew it, you knew you knew what you were going to get from him. You, you know, managers will talk about players who are a dream to work with because they turn up every day and do things professionally and perfectly. And, and Eddie Howe was one of those characters. So he was um, he, he was someone that had a great attitude to the game. He was a little bit quiet, a little bit shy, so I wouldn't necessarily have said him he was going to be a Premier League manager. But he's done brilliantly, and and I love watching his teams play as well. I like the way they, you know, he set up. I remember watching him um, take a team to Ipswich, and uh, I think they actually drew two all. And I was at the game, and I and I texted him after the game just to say it was a pleasure to watch your side play today. You know, I love I love the way they they went about it, and so he's he's um, he's really done a good job. I think that was on that game was on telly. I think it was two two. I think. I think. Yeah, Kenwin it was. Kenwin well. Jones scored. Yeah, he did score. He was and he was on big money then as well for um, a, a loan spell. And at that, that point, you know, it ultimately got them up, didn't it? Yeah, of course. Sure. The next move was to Richard because Bournemouth had some money problems stuff. Um, was you know, Town was at the first club. Interested in you, or was there a few other clubs before you joined? I think I think there was a few clubs because it they got into administration Bournemouth and they needed the money. And, and I think one or two clubs had tried to get me on the cheap and the administrator wasn't going to sell for for um, a small fee. Uh, I think Crystal Palace came in with a reasonable offer, um, but ultimately Ipswich was the best. And so I only spoke to Ipswich. And I remember George coming down actually to the, to the Royal Bath Hotel in Bournemouth. And um, I, I, I've not long been with my wife now, and uh, I remember, I remember going back back to uh, see her after I had a really good couple of hours with George and ch- chatting football, and um, pretty much made my mind. Well, I'd made I had made my mind up. I went back to to Paula and said we're moving, and and she still said, "What, what do you mean we're moving?" Because she, you know, well, ironically, been born in Ipswich, but only lived here for a year or two before moving to Bournemouth, and that was you know where she'd grown up and all her life was there. So it was a big, big step for her. And I said, well, we're moving. And she said, really? What do you mean we're moving? I said, should you, you're, are you moving? I said, well, I am definitely moving. I said, I'm, I'm going to Ipswich. I said, because it's a great opportunity. It's a great football club. Um, the history of it, I, you know, I remember watching my dad play and the scores coming through and listening to Ipswich's results. And and so they're a massive foot club and, and some of the players and the, that have played for the club. Um, and so anyway, she... Long long story short, she she came with me and and the rest is history. But it was a absolutely I was sold within two minutes of meeting George. Really, that 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 was the club for me. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to a few players, of course, for this podcast and mentioned George Burley. And you know, for you, you know, one word. What, what do you describe George as? Um, I, I'd I'd call him a friend now. Yeah. I, I, he uh, he did more than any other manager in terms of trying to make me a better footballer. He. Uh, he spent a lot of time on me individually, improving my game, and uh, you know I think that that um, he had a lot of faith in me, and and showed a lot of faith in me. Gave me obviously the, the captaincy after a year of being at the club, as well, and um, he obviously saw something in me. But he 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 spent an awful lot of time in improving my game. You know I was uh, not the most technically gifted footballer that's ever worked 
walk the earth. Um, I was a trier. I was someone that you know gave it my all, but I wasn't necessarily the most technically gifted player that, that the world's ever seen. Um, so there's a lot of aspects of my game that needed working on, and and George did that. You know, and he he spent a lot of time improving me, and and that. Him and Dale Roberts, I should I should mention Dale Roberts as well because it wasn't just George, you know D- Dale was a big part of that as well. So um, those those two were crucial, I think, in my development. Yeah, which um, which players sort of help you settle when you first signed? The first one to really help me settle was Simon Milton. Um, he, he, funnily enough, he, he was coming towards the end of his career, and my first training session, you we used to have the training pitch outside the ground, didn't we? Yeah. And my first training session was on that pitch, and I actually you know first day's training you want to sort of put it about don't you and I actually caught Milts with my studs on his chest <laughs> and uh because I was I was so keen to impress and and he looked sort of looks at me what, what's going on here and um but he was one of the first ones to really help me help me settle and I remember what one of the early games we played Oxford and um after the game, I was going to go back to Bournemouth and, and have the weekend in Bournemouth. And I asked George if I could sort of drive to the game on the Friday um, instead of going on the bus and then and then go straight down there and um, and you know get pack up a few more bits really and to come back to to Ipswich. And Milts came in the car with me and we had a good couple of hours chatting and 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 that was so he was the, probably the first one to really help me. I mean Tony Mowbray was a big influence as well. Um, Mark Venus, we we were in the hotel together for about three months because he'd moved from Wolves and I'd I'd come from Bournemouth, so we uh, at exactly the same time, so we're in the same hotel for three months together. Um, so they that, some of the senior players that really helped me settle. That's good. Uh, of course, you know the season before you joined, we we missed out in the playoffs on the stupid away goal rule, which of course you also suffered the season before or season after your first season. Um, but uh, in that first season, of course, we we got into the playoffs. Um, I just want to sort of highlight some games from your first season. Um, of course, you mentioned Oxford. I want to talk about the the game where I recently found some pictures of you in goal. Um, you, I think you were in goal for I don't know how how many minutes you were in goal, but wasn't of course, too memories long. That night. Wasn't too long, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, what's my memory of it? I mean, the, my memory is looking at the pictures that the shirt's about fifteen times too big for me. Righty must have been massive. Or I, I'm, I'm looking at myself thinking, I can't have been, I can't have been that small. I looked absolutely ridiculous. Uh, my second thought is, why on earth am I trying to out jump Kevin Francis at the near yeah. post? What am I thinking? Just stay on your line. So that I'm thinking that, and I'm thinking, hurry up, Righty, get stitched up and get back on, so I can get get onto the pitch and and you know position where I'm a bit better I actually I actually didn't mind going in goal it was it was something I'd done previously I'd done it for West Ham in the reserves for them at Arsenal as well and I used to mess about in training and and I was quite brave put myself about but it's a bit different in a five-a-side goal as soon as you get in the big goals I looked a bit stupid really and and so I was quite keen to get back on pitch as quickly as possible and then I scored gave a penalty away it's not there's not many players do those three things in one game did you um did you put your hand up to do it then? You know when that was yeah all yeah I, th- I think um, Neil Gregory used to do it as well, didn't he? Yeah, he went yeah had one experience. Yeah, so he 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 was sort of um, one of the players that was in line, but he he, made, he obviously probably wasn't playing in the game. He might have been on the bench or something, and and so right he was obviously going to come back. He didn't want to make a sub for it. And I, I, I was probably the next in line to, to go and go. Yeah, also, it was something I'd done in training and, and was, you know, happy to, to put my hand up and do it. Yeah, stupidly. Yeah. Of course, that season, you know, you scored 12 goals, which was the most you scored 
during your time at town. You were player of the year as well. Uh, any more highlights from that season, would you say? Uh, of course, the Norwich 5-0. I recently spoke to Alex Matty for the podcast about him of course, scoring a hat-trick. What's your memories from that? That must have been your, your first experience of playing East Anglia Derby at Portland Road. I think you played in the 2-1 defeat earlier in the season, but this must have been yeah. a nice day to see a win. Yeah, that was a good one. That was good. I mean, Alex Matthew hat-trick in the first half, and he went off at half-time. Yeah. Uh, and then Bobby Petter scored two in the in the second half as well. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a good memory. You know, it's always nice to to win the derby, and and to do it emphatically as well is is even better. Um, so that was yeah, that was a good experience. I I just remember, I mean, that first year really for me was um, was a really good one. Um, you know, you, you're never quite sure how it's going to go when you make a move like that. Are you going to get into the team straight away? You know, because there's no guarantees of that. Um, played every game, scored a few goals player of the year it, it, you know it, it couldn't have gone much better on a personal level so I was I was really pleased with the way it had gone really and and it felt like home you know I said to you as soon as I saw George Burley uh, my mind was made up about coming turned up at Paul Road for the first time to sign you know it felt like a big club it felt like a big stadium um, but you know as soon as I, I started playing it, it just felt like home and um, so it was, it was a great first year. And then um, your next season, you mentioned you was named club captain. Did George come in to you and sort of say to you, "You're going to be my my next skipper"? Do you know, my memories are awful. We had <laughs> we had the uh, I, we had a, a Zoom catch up with the Wembley crowd yeah. um, the other night, and it was brilliant. We had two or two maybe three hours of just chatting about you know the, the Wembley and the build up and the game and um, the season and all sorts of stuff, and. Some of the lads are coming out with things. And I'm going, did that happen? I can't remember that. Can't remember. Did he? He got sent off, did he? I can't. And, and there's certain things I just, you know, my memory is absolutely terrible. I have to look back at a lot of things just to, to try and remember it. Um, so I, I don't actually remember George having that that conversation and, and sort of pulling me to one side and saying I was I was going to be captain. But um, that is the ultimate honour, really, you know, to be to be made captain of, of any club. But, you know, a club as, as big and as, as huge as Ipswich was a, was a huge honour for me. Of course, you went on to lead a team to another playoffs, um, this time against Bolton, which was the first uh, semi-final against Bolton until the season after. Uh, Stuart away goal, of course, Roll was uh, was still involved. And, you know, we lost the first game 1-0 in, in, at Bolton in the, the second leg, which you were very much involved in, scored two goals. Of course, Kieran Dyer scored the others, so we won 4-3. But, you know, the away goal rule, what was your feeling back then about the away goal rule? What was, you know, I think you won this game. You know, it's, yeah. I know, I know. Um I think I think you go into it knowing knowing how the land lies. You know that that's the the way it is, and um, we you know we should have won four two. So that would have got us through, wouldn't it? That's you know we you can't look back and think what if because because they are the rules, and and we knew that going into the game. And um, you know as I say, yeah, it was bittersweet really because it, it was a good personal night. Scored a couple of goals, and the first one is one of my son's favourite goals. The, the the first goal in that playoff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a bit bittersweet, really, because you know, although you win the game, you don't even get to the final. Um, so that was '99, and and actually, about a week later, my, my second son Sammy was born. So it was um, that was that that made it a little bit easier. Um, I'm a nightmare when I lose games. So I, it, you know, the weekends ruined, the weeks ruined, um, and I was obviously devastated at the end of a, a long season to be missing out on a playoff final again. Um, but my son was born, so that that was a 
you know a, a little bit easier to, to take, I guess. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes your personal stuff is sometimes the high of that season. Like, yep, got got a new boy on on the way, and yeah, and it, well, it's, it's no, you know, it's never good when you don't, you know, don't get reach your achievement or, or achieve what you wanted to do at the start of the season and what you'd set out to do. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, obviously yeah, 98, actually I'd, I'd got married that summer and, and 99, my son was born. So although we'd been knocked out of the playoffs, we'd, I'd had sort of two, two good moments in the summer and, and a bit of time to, to enjoy it as well. Yeah. And uh, of course, Kieran Dar then left and uh, how good was Kieran back then? You know, he was a, a player that was very wanted by a lot of clubs, but you know, you were his teammate, and of course, he was also scored two goals that night. But how good was Kieran back then? Yeah, he was, he was a top class player, and, and everyone could see that. And you know, he was at a stage where he, you almost knew really that he was going to be going that summer because there was going to be a bidding war, and and sure enough, that was the case. He, um, he, he incredibly talented. You know, very very talented, um, great pace could play in a number of positions. I actually enjoyed playing central midfield with him, you know, because of his energy as well. We both complimented each other in that respect. And we did that a few times um, that second season. Um, so that was, that was good. Um, I, I always, and I, and I say it to him as well, that he should, you know, for someone of his ability and the positions that he got himself into, he should have probably scored more goals because he, you know, he, he didn't score as many as he should do really. Um, and that was, maybe one thing in his game. Also, he had a few injuries as well later on in his career. Um, but he, no, he was a top player and you could, you, you knew he was on the move, he, you know, even at that stage, you knew he was destined for the top. Of course, when you, when you joined the club, you know, George was only, I think it was, that was his second full season and he's, he was building this team. He was building, you know, that season when Kieran left, uh, he really brought in Jim Magilton, Fabian Wilness and a few other players. Uh, Mark Venus, as you mentioned, and yourself. Uh, next season, of course, Kieran dies. Manny was... Uh, was spent and on, you know, Jermaine Wright. Uh, who else is there? Of course, Marcus Stewart later on in the season. John McGrill. Did you feel that was the season where his, George's team was made and this was going to be the season? Uh, you go in every season thinking it's going to be. And we had, we had a good start to the season as well. I think we we got to a bit of a flyer. Um, but you go in with hopes, uh, same as supporters, you go in with hopes and aspirations at the start of the year that it's going to be your year. Um, I, I think I think the longer the season went on, we we felt it was maybe our season because we had a really good character about us, and we we'd gone behind in a lot of games. We'd shown character come back in games, and although we missed out on the last day, which you know was was a big disappointment, um, we I think we we even then we we thought maybe this is this is our term. Um, obviously, you a big job to do still, but. I think that the the way the season had panned out, the way we'd gone behind in games, the character that we showed in certain matches, I just felt that that we had the right balance, and and obviously Marcus Stewart's goals, you know, he he sort of made a big difference um, coming in in January, and and you know the the goals he scored against Bolton were were top draw. We've got, I want to mention another player, of course, David Johnson, he was signed as well. You know, another player who, of course, was top goal scorer that season. Uh, as you mentioned, Marcus Stewart, those goals against Bolton, the first leg, you know, you were, of course, you set up the first one, which is a very interesting sort of self. You know, you need it and, you know, you're kicking up in a way. You're like doing a bit of kick-ups, you know, yeah. in the middle of the pitch. What's, well, what's I, the numbers of that? I, I, I just... I mean, it, just getting it under control, really, and, and, um, and Marcus sort of pointing, really, where he wants the ball. And and you know you, you try and put it where he wants it when when you, someone like that um, you know I'm not expecting to lash it into the top corner from 
30 yards, but that's exactly what he did. So, uh, but the second goal, the second goal was a real Marcus Stewart goal. You know, the composure in front of, in front of goal, um, the time that he had just to pick his spot. It, 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 but um, yeah, well, I, I, I think, I think when, when he'd scored those two goals, I think then we thought, right, we, we've, we've got a real chance here going back and, and turning this around. So, um, yeah, they, they, they were big goals for us, but but two two really different goals and two of outstanding quality. Of course, the debate would be which one's better for you. Which one? I think the second one, personally. I I, I think the first one is one that I could probably score. Yeah. Um, second one, maybe not. It, it was, uh, it, you know, if you, sometimes you know you hit one and it flies in the top corner. Um, but to, the, but the skill level and the and the poise and the composure in front of goal for the second one, I I'd always pick the second one. Then um, so it was the Marcus Stewart day. And then we went on to the Jim Magilton masterclass. Yeah, he doesn't uh, mention uh, it much. It's, no, it's no. good. It's, it, yeah. He's very shy when it when it comes to um, talking about the Jim Magilton day. Even on that Zoom call the other day, he was, uh, yeah, it was the Jim Magilton show. So it, yeah, he was. Yeah, it was his night. And and you know what a brilliant player, what a brilliant servant, what a brilliant you know uh, teammate, and you know someone that the lads loved. You know he was a winner. He had a great personality a great thirst and a, a great desire to, to be the best um he wanted that from everybody in the in the squad and he drove people on at times um yeah he, he's got a famous saying he says that let the runners run and the players play and he, he he's you know you got to have that balance about you and he, he always used to say you do my running and i'll do your playing and we'll be all right so we uh now we got on well we we're good i think you know we, we were a good balance with each other in midfield but he he was a special player and, and a special person and and it was it was great that it was his night yeah because yeah. that night had everything you know eight goals penalties red cards just everything happened and you know, we we finally made it. You know, after three years of heartbreak, now we've won. Uh, what's your memories of the crowd coming on the pitch? I'm sure you were like, of course, want to be part hug and high fives, but of course, you sometimes I always <laughs> worry about you know players. You know, you don't want to be crap, you know, crammed and you know properly bombarded. But it did feel it did feel a bit intimidating actually. Yeah. I and I think I. I still had quite a distance to go to get to the tunnel as well because I was in the the far half, oh, so no. I still had a bit of a fair way to go to get to get off the pitch. So it was a little bit in, intimidating. Um, still send Barry Knight the odd Christmas card here and there just to, just to say thank you. I'm only messing. I don't really. Um, it uh, my my memories really were after the game. Yeah, we celebrated because it was it, it was a big thing getting to the final, but we also I think recognised that still a job to do. You know, it was only it was only half time. It was only halfway. So there was still that thought, right? We we've done the the job that we haven't been able to do for three years. Now we've got to really finish it off. You know, it's no good just turning up and 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 you know not getting the job done. Um, you know, we'd missed out on the last day to Man City, and now we had another opportunity, and and we we weren't going to let that go. Yeah, I know this is a bit of a a standard question, but what's your like preparation going into a game? You know, was it the same as you normally do for any other game? Yeah, George was quite adamant. I remember him. I remember him being really, you know, we've got to treat this like any other game. Yeah, because you know, we've beaten Barnsley a couple of times in the season as well. But you know, it was it's another game. We do exactly the same things we've been doing throughout the course of the season. Nothing changes. We obviously had a few injury problems going into it as well. So that was a little bit disruptive. Well, weren't sure who was going to be fit or who was going to be ready or not. Um, but yeah, he was he was quite 
set on it being as normal as possible the build-up of course you're sorry probably doing your boyhood dream you know probably your, your dad as well proud to see your, his son leading out a team captain at Wembley as well the last game to be played at the old Wembley as well you know I'm sure that your adrenaline was pumping then and goosebumps and everything what was that like yeah it was, it, a lot of family and friends I think we were I think we we're allowed to buy 50 tickets each um which is obviously a lot of tickets um and and uh yeah a lot of a lot of friends and family um to, to be able to go to the game which you know it, that was really good um so yeah i mean i remember of the biggest memory really would be because again you know I, I look back at the day and a lot of it's a bit of a blur um but the noise when we came out of the tunnel i think that that was like, wow, this is, this is big. This is, this is a big thing. Um, and obviously the prize at the end of it as well um, about getting promotion. So that, but that noise when we, when we walked out, I think was the big thing that day. Yeah, of course. Uh, in, a, in, you know, going out of the tunnel and going on the pitch, you know, I think you're alongside James Scowcroft, of course, you know, a boyhood player of the club because he wasn't able to play, he was injured. So he must've felt, you know, disappointed, but, you know, he knew his teammates had a job to do and, you know, you guys guys did that and, you know, Martin Royce scored that goal. You know, wow. I know you said, I know you said you don't have much memories back then because all of it's a blur because what an experience. But when he scored that, did you just feel like we've done it? Yeah, yeah, that's when I could breathe. Because, <laughs> you know, we, well, we had a good 15, 20 minute spell just after halftime, which put us in control. And then um, they came back, pulled one back, had a, close range header which Wrighty made a brilliant save from but that moment when Martin scored that was the moment where you could just take a deep breath and say right we've done it now you know just looking back and seeing George's celebrations when that happened and you just knew that that was the moment that we would we'd done it really because they weren't they weren't scoring two in in that time left um so that was yeah, that was pretty special yeah and walking the steps obviously you know that the boyhood dream of, of lifting a trophy at Wembley. Um, so walking the steps and, and knowing that I was able to, you know, lift a trophy in the direction of the Ipswich fans, that was that was pretty pretty special. I mean, the other special thing is the sort of the goal scorers that day. You know, you've got Bam Bam, Richard Naylor, once again, coming through the Youth Academy, Marcus Stewart. He was signed for big money and on centre stage, he's scoring. Of course, Tony Mowbray, the the veteran and his last ever game for the club or in his career and what a moment at Wembley and then you know Martin Royster signed on loan and he went and sent us there yeah yeah obviously a, a, a big mix there um but some good stories Bam Bam had the game of his life thought it was absolutely outstanding thought he was brilliant man of the match by a distance um Mogham was was brilliant as always and um for him to score on his you know at Wembley and he made it his last game I mean I, talking to him he, he came very close to starting the season the next year but uh didn't and and wasn't needed again so his last ever game uh Stewie made the big difference and obviously Martin as well I mean that that's testament to what you know to George Burley really that you know the, the fact that he could spot a player and, and knew what it knew what it took really to try and get us over the line um yeah I think that was one of George's biggest strengths really you know the his ability to pick players who all fitted a system um and all had you know could all play as well I think that was a key thing for him as well um could all pass the ball you know he, he we did passing drill every single day in training um and he wanted his teams to pass the ball and and um and we could all do that so it was yeah testament to George really putting that squad together and of course he went to the Suffolk showground and of course then at Cornhill with the open bus parade you know 
as I said, you, your memories may have you've forgotten about it, but that must have just been a great experience being with all your like all the teammates on the open top bus with all the you know town. That is that's just it was a standstill in the town. Of course, we're going to celebrate this uh, great achievement. Yeah, the, the Suffolk Showground actually, you know, the celebrations were a little bit muted. Um, I, I think the, the the pressure of it all and the and the um, intensity of the day, I think they were a little bit muted. Um, but the, obviously, the bus was a little bit easy the, the following day i think then to, to just you know say right we can enjoy it now um but i had to i had to go off to ireland i think either that evening or or even the the next day um flying over to ireland to to um to play three games over in america so yeah it was it was still you know i still had a bit a few more games to play but um it, it was nice to be able to you know celebrate with all the supporters in the town and and yeah that was that was good yeah now you've you made it you know in the premier league i know you're at west ham you were at a Premier League team but now you are going to be the captain of a Premier League team and going to that season once again we didn't really bring more players in you know Titus Bramble was coming through and you know Martin Royce was signed permanently uh, Herman Ryderson signed but George pretty much kept with the same team so yeah he kept, he kept faith he, he did and and the majority of the lads that got him there you know stayed and and um, and did the business the following season as well so it was um yeah again we, you know we were we were a decent side and 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 obviously George recognized that and and felt that he didn't need to make too many changes um I think you know when you get promoted you need a bit of help and um but but generally you know he also wanted to reward some of the players who'd who'd um who'd been there a few years and and you know uh, had a a bit of heartbreak along the way as well so it was uh yeah it was, he, he was quite keen I think to to do that course that season what a season it was finishing fifth there's some you know some highlights in that season from the the first game at Portman Road in the Premier League against May United uh, Fabian who I recently spoke to as well for the podcast and you know what what a game you know the first game we lost 3-1 against Tottenham but to play against May United who just went on to do the treble I think um, and you know a good 1-1 draw there but you know what's your memories your first Premier League game at, at Portman Road yeah uh, well I mean, the first game against Tottenham was a bit of a lesson. Went ahead, went ahead early in the game, but but then you know, clinical finishing and big money signing. I think Rebroff and and um, yeah, they were they were you know you could you just realised that in that you couldn't make any mistakes really in the Premier League because you'll get punished. Um, then the United turned up, and uh, I, I, I mean that was a big result for us. I think. Yeah, that was it. That was the one I think where we we felt right. We're, we're going to be okay here, because you know we can, if we can hold Man United and play like we have done against them, you know I think we're we're going to be okay. So I think that was a big one in terms of confidence for the rest of the season. Yeah, I want to go on to your first Premier League goal against the team you went and eventually signed for in the Premier League, Charlton. Can you remember that goal at all? Have you seen it back? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember it. I remember it well. I think I think it was Herman who passed me the ball. Um, and then sort of just cut cut inside Mark Kinsella, who was my international teammate as well, um, before pas- smashing it past Dean Kiley, who was another international teammate. Um, and and I, I'm trying to think whether I'd scored for other, against Portugal. I think it, it was either just before or maybe, I think I, just before that as well. So I'd had a good, good sort of um, moment internationally scoring against Portugal in, in one of the qualifiers and then to get my first you know Premier League goal as well and, and uh, you know I say beating two of my international teammates as well um, beat Kins went sort of 
dived in and cut inside and then smashed it past Dean Carter as well. So and that was a big goal because it, it was it was the opener, I think, and it was about 80th minute as well. It was a horrible wet day, um, so it was a, it was an important goal as well. Yeah. Then um, some other goals. Uh, you won against Man City in the cup. Um, then won against Everton, which uh, what a goal this was. Back back then when I was a young kid, I didn't appreciate as much. You know your goals. I've been watching your goals back. You know just to give myself some more research on you and how much I appreciate some of your goals you score. Some of them were <laughs> crackers and this was one of them. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, George Burley always used to say, because in terms of the passing, he used to say, you've got the driver in the bag. You know, now you need to sort of have sand iron, pitching wedge, the, you know, the more delicate passing. So in, in terms of just striking a ball, I always felt pretty good, really. I, that was one of my sort of um, things I was pretty good at um, striking a ball. And so, you know, fortunately, some of the goals that I scored were from distance. Um, and, and obviously the Everton one as well. I had a good record at Goodison Park, funnily enough. I scored there a couple of times for Charlton as well. And so uh, it was always a ground I enjoyed playing. I should have signed for him, really, because I, I, every time I went to Goodison Park, I seemed to score. Yeah, of course, you were, you were the man who relegated Man City as well. We wouldn't have thought that, you know, now in current days, climate with them, with all their millions and stuff. And I know, madness. And, and um, uh, Joe Royal was manager as well, wouldn't he? You eventually came to town. Um and he and he tried to sign me, I think, as well um, for City. Uh, and uh, when he when he came to the club, he said, oh, "I tried to sign you, tried to sign you. I'm glad I've got you now." He said, I, "And I haven't even had to buy you." So, um, he, yeah, it, it, that was obviously. Yeah, you wouldn't know, like you say, you would never have anticipated um, that that City would be where they are now and what and doing what they're doing. But yeah, that was that was a good goal as well. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Then the next season, we're now playing in Europe, playing against some well some some you know some big teams in terms of you know Inter Milan later on but you know you headed to Moscow and Sweden what was those experience being with the lads traveling it's brilliant I mean to be honest you know a lot of us had not played in the Premier League before then we got into the Premier League and we'd been successful in the Premier League and then European competition as well the club hadn't been in European competition for a, for a number of years and obviously had good history and good pedigree in, in Europe um, and we had some good trips some you know to be honest when you go away like that and, and you've got a job to do you don't see much of any of the places you go to you could be anywhere you know your hotel training ground game home that's pretty much how it worked um, and, and in hindsight probably it's, it it maybe took our eye off the off the Premier League a little bit. The fact that we were in the UEFA Cup, I think, you know, it definitely had a detrimental effect on us. Um, and and there's no rhyme or reason to this, but playing Thursday Sunday rather than Wednesday Saturday even is much different. You know, I think we were used to more used to playing sort of Tuesday Saturday previously, um, but but playing Thursday Sunday somehow just didn't fit with us. Um, so yeah, there's there some good moments, some good memories, um, but obviously ultimately it. Um, it, it wasn't a great season. Yeah. Of course, George, that was the first time we sort of dipped into bringing in European players, you know, through, you know, Fenidia George signed, Serenia the goalkeeper, Gerso, Rich Le Pen. You know, how, how difficult was to sort of, because I don't know if many of them speak English or anything like that, you know, I'm sure they were, it's a different sort of vibe in the sort of training. In terms of yeah, maybe. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't sort of pin it on them that we, you know, was a reason why we got relegated particularly and they all integrated into the dressing room and could speak English um, fine I, I, you know I do wonder in hindsight whether you know the, the fact that they come in on on sort of bigger wages maybe than than some of the lads who've been there for four or five years and um, how that may, may have affected the dressing room a bit 
as well but that's not their fault you know it wasn't you know that wasn't their um their their problem um and and I, and I wouldn't sort of pin it on them as to to why. I mean, as a number of us didn't play as well, I'd, I'll hold my hands up and say I didn't have as good a season that year either. Um, so there was a number of us who didn't pr- perhaps reach the, the the heights that we were capable of. Um, so there was lots of reasons, and and um, I, as I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was just them. Yeah. Oh well, I'll just briefly bring up the Inter Milan games. You know, we won the first game on Armstrong head up, brilliant, brilliant moments. Then then for yourself playing at San Siro, that must have been an amazing experience. I, I remember posting a picture on Instagram, you and in Inter Milan shirt. It's yeah, Javier Javi, Javi Zanetti, and, um, so their, their skipper, who's obviously an icon of the game. Um, I, I, I didn't swap many shirts actually over my career. Really, I, I, I've maybe got ten. I, have, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't one to sort of regularly swap shirts and have hundreds of them around the house. But um, he's obviously a big icon of the game and, and was a good shirt to get. But ultimately, again, you, you, you're disappointed because you haven't won the game, you haven't won the tie. You know, you, albeit you're against Inter Milan and we're obviously the second favourites going into it. We've beaten them in the home leg. Um, so there was still disappointment, really, that we hadn't, you know, that we hadn't held on or we hadn't got a result out there um, because that's ultimately what you're in the game for. Of course, you know, you... We suffered relegation that season, as you mentioned. Uh, the first game, last game against Liverpool was a, a 5-0 defeat. What was that like? And of course, during that time, you were probably preparing going to the World Cup because you were going to be playing for Ireland. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, obviously, being relegated is is the worst feeling. It, it, it is the worst. I mean, it, you know, it, it doesn't just affect the players, the fans, but the people at the football club, the, lots of good people that work there and losing their jobs and all sorts of things. You know, it was a, it's a horrible thing. It has, domino effect and it's and it's not good um and it yeah that was tough i remember having to do an interview pretty much on the side of the pitch and uh, almost in tears uh, doing the interview because it's it was a big devastation really you'd work so hard to get to the premier league and then it you know for it to be taken away um so yeah that was tough but of course i did have something on the horizon which was was to look forward to as well um which which yeah ultimately was was pretty good as well yeah so uh, let's go on to quickly on your islands, um, you know, caps, 49 caps for islands, uh, five goals played at one World Cup, scored at a World Cup, of course. Um, when did you sort of knew you were going to play for islands? You know, you, I think you made your debut in 1999. Uh, when did you sort of know you're going to play for well, Ireland? I, I, I mean, I, I always was aware of, of my Irish heritage and it was something that I wanted to explore. Um, I think I might have even mentioned, I think I mentioned it to George Burley and, and George then um, rang Mick McCarthy. And and then I got a phone call at home from Mick asking if I would be interested in playing for Ireland. He'd seen me play a couple of times and there's a B international coming up. Would I play in it? Absolutely. And that was it. That was that was my decision made. Um, played the B game and, and was actually pretty much in the squad from, from that moment on with Mick. So it um, but I, it was always something I was aware of and always something that I was keen to explore. Yeah, that must have been a another dream of yours to be made playing in a, in a World Cup you know, this time in Japan and South Korea, that must have been a, a great experience as well, being in a probably a, maybe countries you may have never thought you'll ever go to. Yeah, it was. I mean, two very different countries as well. We actually played the first three games in Japan and the fourth one was in South Korea. So we we, we, um, we only saw South Korea for a short period. Most of our time was spent in Japan, but what an amazing country. I mean, it's as clean as anything. The people are as friendly as you, they could as they could possibly be. Um, well looked after. It was, um, yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, you know, playing against some of the best teams and the best, you know, we, we played against Germany who, who got to the final. Um 
and, and I think they'd only conceded one goal getting to the final and that was in the one all draw we had with them um, in the group as well so we had yeah we had um, we had a good team we had we had a, a good set of players um, and we and we, it was a great experience testing yourself against some of those those big teams yeah um, of course let's go on to your goal against Cameroon uh, you know that was was it yesterday was it yesterday or the day before uh, two two days ago, I think the anniversary yeah. of that. Yeah, we've had a lot of anniversaries lately. Uh, a wedding <laughs> anniversary and um, anniversary of Wembley and anniversary of my goal. They all seem to come at once. And yeah, um, and, uh, yeah it was 18, 18 years ago. So it it flies by time. Absolutely flies by. But they, it's always nice. To, you know, people post it and you can see it again and watch it. And um, it, it's always nice to watch it and just. Um, reminisce and I mean the first sort of 10 seconds after scoring don't you I, I don't remember anything because I was off you, know, you, you, you dream about playing in a in a world cup and then to score as well it's like wow this is just you know can't be happening to me um but sure enough of course it, it did and um yeah it was a big goal as well because it, it meant that we got you know got a point from the game where we'd been struggling first half we haven't played particularly well um, second half we played much better, and, and ultimately the goal led to get us getting a, a valuable point. So it was it was big, especially with, you know I mean, your fan, your family there as well, my wife, two boys, and the dad there as well. It was pretty special. Yeah, of course we, you know, Ireland eventually lost on penalties against Spain. What was that experience like? You know, a heartbreak on penalties, and you know, one word on Mick McCarthy as well. We won't talk about the Roy Key Mick McCarthy stuff because that's their own business. I'm sure you know you were involved in it as well. But you know, what was your relationship with Mick like? Yeah, very good, very good. I mean, I, I, he was very honest, and um, you can't ask any more really from a manager. Uh, enjoyed working with him, enjoyed playing for him. Um, you know, even now, you know, it's been good. I've been able to, able to watch Ireland a couple of times, and you know, the FA I've managed to get me tickets, and I've met them at the hotels and stuff, and um, and it's it's always good to catch up with him. He's got a lovely family, and um, always had a lot of time for him, and. Um, so yeah, he's he's one of the good guys, Mick, and um, you know I've got a lot of time for him. Um, I mean, in terms of the penalty shootout, one of the lowest moments really, because you've gone from scoring in a World Cup to missing a penalty in a World Cup, and I've made I took eight penalties in my career, all in shootouts, and seven of them are placed, and one I blasted, and the one I blasted is the one I missed. But I'd made my mind up the day before we'd been practicing penalties, and I'd made my mind up that I was going down the middle, I was going to put my foot through it, you know, I was it, it, maybe the adrenaline of it, whatever it, you know, of, of being in a shootout. Um, just got too much of it and that's and that's um that's all i can say really but it was uh yeah you've gone from sort of one of the the big moments in your life to, to one of the lowest within th- four games yeah. what was your reaction like when mick was um named interest manager back in 2012 yeah well pleased i mean as i say because yeah. i know i know you know and at the time when he took the job as well ipswich were, were in trouble yeah. Um, so he, he, I was I was pleased that someone of his quality and and, the, and ability was taking the job, um, and and I think for for it, the majority of it, he did a good job yeah. as well. You know, at the end, obviously, I know it, it turned a little bit sour, um, and you know, I think it had come to a natural end for him to leave. Uh, he'd be the first to admit that, I think, as well. Um, but I think on, on on the whole, he'd done a decent job. Um, but he, he, when he got it, I was, I was, I was naturally delighted because I know he's, I know how good a manager he is. And then, uh, then returned back to town after the World Cup. Of course, having a nice little break as well. Uh, you, of course, stayed for one more season. I don't know if you know there was the bid for Aston Villa and stuff like that. But you know, you must have been 
on cloud nine at the moment. You've just been playing at the World Cup, but now you're going to have to play in the first division again. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I yeah, I did speak to Villa, and I think we we had a, a um, an international friendly, and I, I've got a feeling it was in Finland, and I actually spoke to Mick McCarthy about it as well and asked him if you know I sat him, I asked him if it affect my international chances if I didn't play in the Premier League um and whether you know being back in the first division would would affect it and he he said absolutely not he said you know um I know what you can do I know you know so don't don't think that that's going to be the case um you've got to make the right call for yourself um you, you know Villa Villa offered me a, a three-year deal and I had a four-year deal at Ipswich, um, which, you know, for that, for me to uproot the family, to move, it had to be right. And it wasn't right. And and Graham Taylor was quite apologetic, actually, on the on the phone. He said, there's not much more I can do. He said, I've, I've done my best, but, but the chairman's adamant that that's the case. Uh, and actually the money went down in the third the third year of the offer as well because I think I'd turned 30 at that point um so there's lots of things that you know it didn't quite work out for various reasons um and and I like say I ended I ended up staying and, and giving it a go to try and get us back into the Premier League I know I know us town fans are bracing ourselves seeing you know gonna see you leave but luckily you stay for that one more season I, I want to quickly just know your secret of the amount of games you played consecutively you know what was the secret point is just the training just looked after yourself <laughs> no real secret i did look yeah. after myself i mean i'm pretty durable i got sort of lots of knocks and bruises along the way and i had a lot of late fitness tests to, to get myself fit for matches and um if there'd been a game mid midweek after some saturdays i wouldn't have made it because you know i was i was never going to be fit in time but luckily that was never the case and i just yeah well brightling brightling sea sea water as well george used to send me there on the way on the way back from training occasionally uh he used to swear by the healing powers of the salt water and so i did that on a number of occasions uh, and there was also a desire from me to play as well yeah, I, I um, I was one of those that wanted to play every game, and and I I was one of, I was certainly someone that felt that if I was out of the team, and someone did well, I've got to work my way back into the team as well. So I wanted to you know stay in the team and do well for the side. Um, so I had to, I had a desire to play every game as well. So there's there was a bit of that. I mean, I'm probably paying for it a little bit now. First sort of five minutes to get out of bed in the morning. You, you if I was a horse, you'd probably shoot me. I, I I um I struggle to get out of bed now. A bit creaky and stuff, but. Uh, once I've warmed up, I'm all right. Yeah, of course. That that season, a lot of the the team was disbanding. Um, I want to quickly just mention Darren Ambrose quickly. You know, he was another partner in your midfield. You know, how good was he back in his day? Of course, you partner up with him in, at Charlton as well. Yeah, good friends with Darren. He, yeah. He's a good lad, really good lad. Him and Darren Bent were, were, were two really good characters and enjoyed, you know, seeing them flourish and develop and come into the first team as well because they they there was a, a youthful enthusiasm and exuberance about the two of them as well you know they were buzzing all the time um always out on the training ground George Burley I remember having to drag him in on a Friday because they've got a game the next day but they'd still be out taking free kicks at two three o'clock in the afternoon but it, it you know it rubbed off on me as well I enjoyed it I enjoyed you know um I enjoyed seeing the younger ones get an opportunity and, and get themselves into the first team and, and enjoyed the responsibility of, of um, not nurturing them, but looking after them, putting them around the shoulder at times as well. They were both good kids and, and it was you know, a pleasure for me to see them come through and, and do as well as they did in their careers. Yeah, of course, that season, George Burley then then left. What was your reaction when you know George went? 
Well, disappointment because he'd been my manager for, for nigh on, what, five and a half years. And uh, we were very close. You know, as I said, they call him a friend now. He, he you know, we were close and, um, we, you know, we got on well and, and uh, I think had a, had a good respect for each other. Um, so just to see someone who, who put a lot of faith in me, um, done as much work as he had done individually with me, achieved the things he had done at the football club and then for him to, to leave was was a big blow. Yeah. I know you mentioned Joe Royal earlier in the chat. You know, what was your reaction when he became manager? Well, uh, having known that he tried to sign me, it was, it, it was you know, one that I thought, well, actually, he must quite like me. Because so, when a new man comes in, you've always got that that bit of, you know, I've got shown and there's new eyes and might not necessarily, you know, you might not necessarily be their cup of tea as well. But um, having known that he, he tried to sign and he said it on his first day in in the training ground, I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I, and, and and just getting to know him as well. I mean, he, his man management, he was very laid back, Joe, and his man management style was obviously very different to George's. Um, uh, but but I enjoyed I enjoyed working with Joe. He didn't do much of the coaching. You know, Willie Donicky did the majority of that. He stepped in when he needed to. Uh, he was more of a manager than he was a coach, um, but he was a great personality and and um, and someone that the players you know really enjoyed working with. He was he was a very good man manager. I can't believe we haven't mentioned the of course lapper appreciation. I remember I used to always enjoy that as a very young lad back then. I, I don't want to make you old, so I won't tell you how old I am. Um, but I remember I used to just I wouldn't even care if we'd lost. I was just stay there to just you know sort of clap little me. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was just something, you know, it was something I'd always done, really. I'd done it at, at Bournemouth, um, continued it, really, at Ipswich and, and obviously Charlton afterwards. For me, it was just an appreciation of the support, really, because, um, you know, the fans are the lifeblood. And, and obviously, we're, we're talking about football now coming back and maybe fans not being at the ground. It's just, you know, it, it's going to be a totally different game for me. Um, the fans turning up in their numbers, home away um the time the the, tr- the the travel the the money the investment the everything they put into it you know they deserved at the very least a little clap off me i mean that was that was the least they deserved so um it was just purely a, an appreciation really for the fans and the and the, the um and the effort they put into supporting their football team the sacrifices they make to, to support their football team um I don't really want to bring up this sort of game, but your last game at Porton Road as an Ipswich player was a 5-1 defeat against Wimbledon, not a game you wanted to sort of end your, your playing days at Portman Road. No, you went Didn't know that. Sport. I didn't know that. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Sorry. I mean, my last my last game was Derby and I, and I scored virtually my last touch. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, I, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have, I couldn't have told you what my last game was at Portman Road. Yeah, 5-1. But uh, yeah, what what a way to end, you know, your Witcher's career, though, scoring against Derby in a, a big win, 4-1 win there, you know, last touch, best way to sort of end it, really. Well, it's, an, it's, it's obviously a nice way to sign off. I, I mean, I, I pretty much knew that I'd probably be gone that summer, um, you know, having not gone the previous summer and the club still needing money and, you know, I was, I was made, it was made clear, really, that, that I was going to be, I was going to be on the way. So, I, Without knowing for definite, I, I I was sort of ninety nine percent sure that that was that was going to be my last game. Yeah, of course. You know, there's I know there's a few pictures and some people saying don't go, Matt. But at the end of the day, we had a lot of money problems, administration, all that. You know, was Charlton the first 
team interesting you or there's a few other clubs that you could have gone to uh i spoke i spoke to portsmouth um mm. they were probably the first club i spoke to i was away i was away internationally actually when it all kicked off again because it, it, we had a couple of games um uh, must have been qualifiers i'm guessing and i was over in dublin i remember getting a couple of phone calls and speaking to portsmouth and then uh just the we played the game and I was about to fly home and uh, at sort of seven o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call saying, oh, we've accepted a bid from Charlton. Um, you're free to speak to them. And and I think I went straight from Stansted to uh, Waltham Abbey, the hotel at Waltham Abbey and, and met Alan Kirbsley, uh pretty much straight off the flight. So I was, I was straight off to meet him and chatted to him. And then it was a case of like, really weighing up what was what was best really for for me at that particular time um and and decided to make the move to Charlton yeah, yeah. what was um what was different with Alan you know you've had George Burley all these years Joe Raw briefly now Alan Kersley what was he like he, he, I I'd known Alan a bit anyway um and uh, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed working with him he was, he was another good guy really um good coach a good staff Mervyn Day's assistant was a good guy as well um you know he was one that he was a bit like George wanted to be out on the training ground and doing his bits and pieces and his bit of coaching he was very similar to George in that respect um but yeah he was a little bit more distant I think from the players I'd say I think he was he, he sort of liked to go in his office and um whereas a lot of the managers I'd had maybe integrate with the players a bit more but he I was, he was a good guy Alan and um still see him regularly actually working for the Premier League he still does a lot of stuff there for them so I still see him quite regularly now yeah as you mentioned the Premier League you're now back in the Premier League that season you finished seventh which for Charlton is very well indeed it's not bad indeed I think you for much season we're in the Champions League, UEFA, you know, cut places just like you did with Ipswich. So that must have been a great way for you to your first season there. Yeah, well, I, I was made captain as well um, straight away. I, I, well, I played a couple of pre-season games and then the, the last pre-season game, um, he made me captain at Orient. And we won five, I scored, and um, he just kept me as captain then from, from that moment on. So I'd, I'd gone straight in and, and been made skipper as well. Um yeah, it was it was a good season. We, I mean, Scott Parker obviously left in the January, which was a big blow for us because he'd been a big part of that. Myself and Scott in the middle of midfield, and um, so he was he was was a bit of a, a blow losing him because at that point I think we might have been third or fourth, and and we were like you know pushing for the Champions League places, and it and it just fell away, tapered away a little bit once he'd left. Um, we had a month really of him talking to Chelsea or, or not talking to Chelsea or wanting to move to Chelsea and the club's not agreeing a fee and it, and it was a difficult month really that in January and um, but he was a top player and, and we, we badly missed him when he'd gone yeah of course back there's a bit of a joke uh, Troll Town it was called because you know Herman was there when you joined as well and Darren Ambrose Darren Bent eventually joined up that must have been great for you you know two of the young lads now they're you know, Darren's now joined from Ipswich. Um, yeah, Marcus Bent as well turned up as well. Um, but but Herman Herman um, had gotten a couple of months before me as well to Charlton, um, and always got on with Herman. And um, so yeah, it was it, it was straight away we we became roommates and um, yeah, it, it was it was it's always nice, isn't it, when you've got a dressing room with people you know really, and and it helps when you walk into a dressing room when you know people as well. You know, I, I knew Dean Kylie, Mark Kinsella had gone by that point, but I knew Dean from playing for Ireland as well. And there was a number of players in there that I'd come across in a bit. Klaus Jensen, who we'd had, we'd had a 
you know, a few running battles with with Bolton and um, but it was there was some good talented players in there and uh, a lot of players that I knew as well. So that that does help in the dressing room. It's one thing I didn't mention actually. Who did you room with during your Itchwich days? Uh, various, lots of different people actually. Yeah, there was you know um, I'm trying to think really. Um, Darren Ambrose for a period I, I would have done. Um, uh, David Johnson. Um, I would probably most but most of the lads from for some some one game or another. Uh, so yeah, I can't, I can't remember a regular. Mickey Stockwell was my first roomie, I think, when I first arrived at the club as well. So um, lots of different ones. Yeah. But uh, of course, during the time at Charlton, you suffered relegation, unfortunately. Again, what was it? Was that what was that like? Was it a different feeling to your Ipswich career? I know it's the same. You're getting relegated, but was it a bit different for you? Um, I'm trying to think. because well, I'd have been about 33, 34 um, at that point. Um, no, it was, it was a similar feeling, really. It's not, you know, relegation is relegation. It's it's not a good one, and um, so no, it's, it it would have been a similar feeling. Yeah. Of course, during that season, Ian Dowie was became manager. What was he like? I liked Ian, and I'd known Ian from my time at West Ham. Um, mm. He he he'd been a player when I was coming through the ranks at West Ham, uh, and always got always got on well with him. Um, I actually felt like he probably didn't get enough time. You know, having having come in been given money to spend on his players it it was quite quickly you know i think or too quickly personally um cast aside um so yeah i i don't think he was necessarily given the fair crack of the whip there yeah, then of course alan pardew became your manager so that's probably the first time you're experiencing loads of different managers at once i think les reed briefly was manager as well but alan pardew was your next manager and that it would eventually be your last manager as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like Pards. He was um, really good coach. His coaching was was excellent, and um, again, good man manager. Um, it, it, I, we we nearly got out of it. We did nearly get out of it. A bit like Ipswich, really. We had a spell where we, you know, I think when when I was at Ipswich, we had we won seven out of eight games around January and and um, gave ourselves a really good chance of getting out of trouble. And the same really when Alan came in, there was a bit of an upsurge in in results and then just fell away again towards the end. So it, um, there, there was a definite upsurge when he first arrived at, at the club. Um, but yeah, I say relegation is never a good thing. But uh, you, you know, your final season, I've just got your stats here. You know, you still played. You know, at 35, 34, 35, you, you played 38 games that season. So you're still, for, you know, uh, sorry to say this, an aging player, you're still still playing. You know, did you feel that was going to be your last season in the game? No, never, never, never into my head that it was going to be my last season. I, I always had it in my head that I was going to continue playing. Um, I, I came to the end of the contract. I think Phil Parkinson had in charge by them. And um, uh, uh, he wanted me to stay at the club. Um, we were sort of in negotiations for me to stay. I spoke to a couple of other clubs as well uh, about a job, uh, about going, moving, and, and you know, a year somewhere. Um, uh, but nothing really materialised in the area or, or, or a club that I wanted really to, to move to. So um, then I just sort of fell into doing the media. And, and by the time sort of I actually got an offer in September, which which if it had come. Uh, well, I don't know if it had come in July or early August I, I might have taken um, but the offer I got in September I'd already started to do lots of stuff in the media and I, I just felt that 
for me then to move away from home for a year and it, it just wasn't on the agenda really. So, um, but no, I, I'd never, never played that last game. I'd never known that it was going to be the last one. Cause I always, I always envisioned myself continuing really. Did you, was media something you wanted to get into as well, though? You know, never knew, you... really. It never knew what I wanted to do when I finished playing. It, yeah. it I just left as many doors open as possible. Did my B licence coaching. Um, Ian Dowie actually offered me the reserve team manager's job when he was in charge at Charlton. Um, but I felt that was a bit too early. He was trying to pension me off a bit. Uh and and so no, it wasn't it wasn't really uh I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I just fell into it really and, and um here I am, what, eleven years retired later, still still having a go at it. Yeah, I, know, I know us uh, town fans always wonder, you know, why has Matt never gone into coaching? You know, I think every time there's a, a management job available at which which we're going, Come on, let's get Matt in. Let's get Matt yeah. and the other boys in, you know. But it is it, uh, something that um I think is probably not going to happen is the honest answer. Um, but if the phone rang and, you know, someone um, made me an offer that I couldn't refuse, then I, I'd, I'd obviously be interested. Of course I would, because it's it's obviously very close to my heart. Um, but I, I think that's unlikely. It, having been at the game for 11 years and, and not coached in that time, I think it's unlikely I'm going to go down that route. But as I say, if the phone rang, it it, it wouldn't be um, it, it wouldn't be something I, I would I would shut down immediately. Now, have you ever been offered different job? You know, you mentioned with Ian Dowie at Charlton. You know, has Itchwich ever offered you anything, or have you ever applied for anything like that? No, I mean, I, I did I did look into the job when uh, I think Paul Jewell had left, and. Uh, the, it was made clear that they wanted someone with experience, uh, but that's the only time that I've I've sort of put my name in the in the hat really. Um, but they they no they they made it clear that they wanted someone with a bit more experience really at that time. So that was fine. They play well, well Matt. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. It's been just been fantastic just to hear about different stories and memories and just your career as a whole. Is anything else you want to add before we? Yeah. No, um, just just thanks for having me on. Um, I hope everyone listening is, is keeping safe and well uh, and hopefully we'll be back at Portman Road and, and hopefully back in the championship at the very least in the not too distant future so as I say thanks for having me on again From true crime to football Brexit to football more great podcasts from Archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon